If you'll take your Bibles and turn with us this morning to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and uh, I preached out of this uh, chapter last week, last Sunday morning, and uh, or last Sunday night. would have preached out of it Sunday morning and Sunday night, Lord willing, but uh, God had other plans in the Sunday morning service, and uh, I thank the Lord for that. Amen. I'm glad sometimes His plans are not our plans. Amen. And uh, we just want to get in God's will and God's way. But uh, I want to preach from 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. If you're able to stand with us in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, and we'll begin reading verse number 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 23. The Bible said, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greek, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow in your presence this morning, God, as we come before the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you for what we've felt in this place. Thank you for the singing. Lord, we want to thank you, dear Lord, for the Sunday school lesson today. We thank you for your people. Thank you for the offering. I pray now that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you'll save the lost and reclaim the backslid. If there's someone here uh, this morning, God, that has, has turned away from you, I pray this would be the service that they would come and repent and get right with you this morning. May you be exalted and may you be lifted up and we'll thank you for what you do. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen, amen, you can be seated. I want you to notice with me here in this verse of scripture, verse number 23, the Bible said, but we preach Christ crucified. And then in the latter part of verse 24, he said, Christ, the power of God. And I wanna go back and get one verse of scripture uh, that we used last Sunday to go along with this. Verse number 18, he said, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, notice this phrase here, it is the power of God. So Paul talks about the preaching of the cross and preaching of Christ being the power of God in verse 18 and Christ the power of God in verse number 24. And I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on Calvary, the place of power. Calvary, the place of power. You see, when you come to this text this morning, we see in verse number 23 the content of Paul's preaching. As he said, but we preach Christ crucified. That's the content of his message. And that's the content of the message that I'm going to preach this morning. We preach about a risen Savior, but we also preach about a crucified Savior. Amen? And I'm glad that the message that we have is not just empty words this morning. It's not just something that is made up out of a storybook, but thank God we do have a message. Amen? And we are on a mission. Hallelujah. And that message and that mission is to preach Christ crucified unto a lost and a dying world. So we see here the content of Paul's preaching. And then we see the criticism of Paul's preaching he said in verse number 23, unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. You know, if you go back to verse number 18, it's the very same outline in that verse. The content is the preaching of the cross, but the criticism is to them that perish. It is foolishness. And if you preach the cross and if you preach a bloody Calvary and if you preach a gospel that saves men from their 
sin and brings them out of their sin, there's going to be criticism. Amen. I learned a long time ago to just divorce yourself from public opinion and just preach the word of God and just stand wherever you're supposed to stand and do what you're supposed to do. There's always been critics, amen, and I'm not gonna waste my time trying to answer the criticism of this world. You see, we don't owe the world an explanation tonight or this morning, but we do owe the world the gospel. Isn't that right? I mean, I'm not going to try to explain everything that I believe and everywhere I stand to a world that's blind and in darkness. They're never gonna see the way of righteousness until they meet the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see the criticism of Paul's preaching and the content of Paul's preaching. But Paul, why would you preach Christ crucified if you're going to get criticized but from both ends, both by the Jews and by the Greeks? Well, he tells us in verse 18 and he tells us also in verse number 24, there's the cause of Paul's preaching. Why would Paul do this? He said in verse number 18, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And then in verse number 24, but Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, my friend, the reason, the cause as to why Paul would preach Christ crucified and the preaching of the cross is because it brings salvation. Not everyone's gonna believe and not everyone is gonna accept, but thank God for those that embrace the cross. Thank God for those that come to the Savior and come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Paul tells us in verse number 23 that to the Hebrews, the preaching of Christ crucified was scandalous. He said that we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, notice this, a stumbling block, amen? Preaching Christ crucified to a bunch of Jews was scandalous. I mean, listen, they had a mock trial. They brought Jesus before the Sanhedrin. Listen, they, they proved him, listen, by their own, listen, by their own deceit for him to be a criminal when we know that he was not a criminal, but they crucified the Lord of glory. And so to preach to the Jews, those Hebrews, it was scandalous to preach Christ crucified to the heathen was senseless. The Bible said in verse number 23, unto the Greeks, it was foolishness. I mean, they looked at one, at the cross and they looked at the message of the cross and said, oh, that's just a bunch of foolishness, amen. You know, there's people drives up and down the road today and that's what they think this is. They pass by this church and they think uh, us gathered here this morning on a Sunday morning, uh, listen, in our suits and ties or dresses uh, or however you came to church this morning uh, and all dressed up to come to the house of God uh, and they think, man, that's just a bunch of foolishness. Uh, them people gather there in that place uh, uh, three times a week uh, and they do it all of their life and they worship uh, uh, something, someone that they cannot see uh, and they talk about a Christ uh, that they think we have never met. Uh, I mean, this does not make sense to a lost and dying world. But I want to say this morning to the humble, preaching Christ crucified was salvation and is salvation. He said, but unto them which are saved, it is the power of God. But unto them, in verse 24, which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. 
The preaching of the cross brings those two things into our life. It brings the power of God and it brings the wisdom of God. That word power simply means unequal power, meaning that there's no power like the power of God. Can I get an amen right there? There is no power like God's power. God's power is a sovereign power and God's power is a saving power and God's power is a swift power, amen? God's power is unlike anything else. When I think about the power of the cross, I'm reminded of how deep its meaning is, how divine its manifestation is. I'm reminded of how dynamic its magnitude is, how, listen, delivering its motive is. I'm reminded of how direct the preaching of the cross and its message is and how delightful its mercy is, amen? One day I fell under the preaching of the cross. I fell under Christ crucified and I also fell under the mercy of God and I got saved by the grace of God. I'm telling you when I think about the power of the cross this morning, I wanna say it's enemies. My friend, I think about the fearfulness of it in the enemies that it makes, in the miracles that it reveals, in the deity that it separated at the cross, in the savior that it punished, in the sacrifice that it held, and in the devil that it crushed, amen? I'm telling you the preaching of the cross is the very power of God. The power of the cross is wonderful in the liberty that it gives, in the character that it builds, in the peace that it produces, in the redemption that it brings, in the victory that it gains, in the covenant that it confirms, in the love it commends, in the heaven that it makes, and in the hell it destroys, amen? I'm telling you the preaching of the cross, it may be foolishness under this world, but it is the greatest story that's ever been told. It's the greatest message that's ever been sent. It's the greatest mandate that's ever been given. I'm telling you, it's the greatest hope we've ever had. The preaching of this cross will lift you up above this world. It'll pull you out of the pit of sin. It'll get you out of, my friend, a mess. The preaching of the cross, it'll build a strong family. It'll build a strong home. It'll give you a promise. It'll give you a pardon. It'll give you peace. It'll give you hope. It'll give you security. I want to say hallelujah a thousand times over for the day that I heard of the preaching of the cross and Jesus crucified, hallelujah. Thank God for it this morning. I tell you, I just felt it swell up in my soul, hallelujah. I'm glad, thank God, it will hold. Christ will hold fast. I wanna tell you this morning because of the preaching of the cross, it will hold. It'll do while I'm living and thank God it'll do when I'm dying. It'll help me make the crossing from this life into the next. The preaching of the cross is the power of God this morning. There's been a lot of times preaching. I couldn't find... uh, the liberty to preach. And I could go to the cross and find it when nowhere where else it could be found. And when I think about what it reveals, the power of the cross, in just one little phrase in verse number 23, but we preach Christ crucified. Is that not a great phrase this morning? The power of God is wrapped up in that one little phrase but we preach Christ crucified. I want to say the power of the cross is revealed in its sharing, as Paul said, but we preach. You know, this morning, 
it makes a whole lot of difference what a man preaches. I mean, listen, I'm not one of these people that want to just go around to one of these, uh, you know, you, we got a lot of people, they, they really don't care what they hear. I mean, they'll go to a church with no convictions, no standards, and no right kind of Bible. Hey, somebody say amen right there. And a man will get up with a, I don't know what they wear anymore, but used to the contemporary crowd would get up and they'd have on, you know, he'd have on a, a T-shirt and some cut up blue jeans or shorts and flip flops and a little old shell necklace, you know, and stand there, maybe a bracelet on his wrist, you know, and sit on a bar stool and he'd give a little talk about Jesus, a little Bible lesson, you know, and they'd sip on some coffee and eat a few donuts, you know, and everybody would walk out and say, oh, what a wonderful teacher and what a wonderful service. But Paul didn't say we teach, amen? And thank God for good teaching, and we need that. But Paul was a preacher. God, Paul was a God-called preacher. And when Paul stood up and took a text, uh, he didn't have teaching in mind. Uh, uh, Brother Danny's a teacher. He's not a preacher, and he's got a place. Uh, and he got up and taught a good lesson this morning. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you, there's no substitute for old time Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, thank God, Spirit-filled, a uh, uh, King James Bible preaching, amen? Uh, and God pity the day, uh, that we ever get to the place uh, that we get away from it. Uh, I'm telling you, friend, it's the preaching uh, uh, that brings men under conviction. It's preaching that draws them uh, to the foot of Calvary. It's preaching that puts them uh, under condemnation. Uh, it is preaching uh, uh, that, my friend, causes the scales, uh, the blinders to fall off. Uh, it's preaching uh, uh, that causes the light uh, of the glorious gospel of Christ, uh, who is the image of God, uh, to shine in their heart uh, uh, the way of salvation. I just want to say thank God for old time preaching. Hallelujah. We still need it, don't we? And in this text this morning, the power of the cross, Calvary, the place of power, it's seen and it's sharing. You may be here this morning and say, well, I'm not a preacher. No, but you ought to deliver the message. When we preach Christ, uh, it's giving out the gospel. You ought to give the gospel to somebody. If you're gonna give the gospel, you're gonna have to live right. Somebody say amen. If you're gonna give the gospel, you're gonna have to look right. Now, don't die on me because I'm preaching on this this morning. I know it's summertime and the sins of summertime are already upon us. Isn't that right? You say, what's the sins of summertime? Well, number one, it's nakedness. Somebody say amen right there. You say, preacher, you're gonna preach on nakedness on Sunday morning? Well, I wouldn't preach on it on Sunday night or Wednesday night because there'd be a crowd that I might miss, amen? And so I just go ahead and preach on it this morning. I'm telling you, if you've been to Calvary, you'll put some clothes on if you've been born again. Amen. And if that makes you mad, I'm not even going to have to take a baby aspirin to go home and go to bed tonight. That's the kind of preaching we need. I'm telling you, before I got saved, I didn't believe nothing about dressing right. But after I got to Calvary, after I got saved, I didn't have a mom and dad to teach me to dress right. But I had the Holy Ghost living on the inside of me. And he told me how to put some clothes on. And he told me how to dress right. I don't know why I'm preaching on the sins of summertime. But I'll tell you, it's got everything to do with the cross. When we preach Christ, it'll clean people up. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? You know why some people got a problem dressing right? Because they've never been to the cross, friend. Now, there's a crowd that's never heard it. Amen. But preaching will change you on the inside. But it'll produce a change on the outside. Isn't that right? 
And while I'm on the subject, amen, I said it back on Mother's Day, I was gonna make an announcement, so I might as well go ahead and do it right now. I mean, I'm done waited out too deep in it to turn around. I'm head deep in it now, so we might as well all just drowned in it, amen? We're not gonna change our standards. Somebody say amen. We're not gonna change our dress code. That means when you come to church, you ought to look like you're going to church, and it ought to not just be on Sunday, but you ought to dress right every day of the week. Somebody say amen. But I'm telling you, friend, I'm not gonna police you. I'm not gonna follow you around. I'm not accountable for what you do through the week. You'll answer to God for that. But I will give an account to God for what I let go on in the house of God. I'm here to tell you this morning that we're gonna keep the standard high and we're gonna keep the standard holy and we're gonna stay old-fashioned. Whether there's five or 50 or 500 of us, we're just gonna stay with the old-time way. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? I mean, a few weeks back, I don't know what happened around here. Now, don't y'all die because I'm saying this. I just started seeing people wearing skirts a little bit shorter. I mean, starting to get it, you know, right here above the knee and and then some, uh, you know, wearing sleeveless and everything. We're not doing that. Somebody say amen. If it makes the whole outfit mad, by the grace of Almighty God, we're not backing up, amen? Now, if you're in your backyard and you want to little, get a little bit of sun, go ahead. But I'm telling you, when you come to church, uh, look like you're coming to church, amen? Uh, and I'm telling you, that goes for men too, not just women. Uh, I'm telling you, well, I don't know why I'm on it, but I sure am glad, aren't you? Uh, I'm just telling you, friend, we got to keep her tight uh, and we got to keep her right uh, in these last days. Uh, we're not going to back up, amen? Too much at stake to back up. We can't back up. The preaching, the, oh, I know how I got on since the summertime. Nakedness. <laughs> don't, uh, I mean, listen, we don't have a platform standard. I, I'm not being critical. There are a lot of preachers take churches, they have to start somewhere. We do not have a platform standard. Because what that means is you can do one thing out there and another thing up here. Can I get a witness? A visitor can come any way they want to because the only thing we're interested in is their soul. Is that right? But membership, oh, they ought to be some standards for membership. Amen. And I'll tell you, we could be running double this morning, but but it wouldn't be worth it. It wouldn't have anything when you got here. I'm talking about the preaching that we preach. What we preach matters. We preach this morning. You said we're supposed to preach the gospel. We are, but as a man of God, I'm supposed to preach the whole counsel. That means the part that makes them shout and the part that makes them pout. That means the part that makes everybody glad, but it's the part that makes some people mad. Let's just be honest. But we gotta preach it anyway, don't we? I'd rather stand at the judgment seat and somebody mad at me for preaching the truth as to stand at the judgment seat and somebody mad at me because I watered down the truth and backed up and hid it from them. I'd rather stand at the judgment seat and hear the Lord say, well done, as to get a crispy handshake or a raise and a salary. And I'm not complaining this church has been real good to me, but you know what I'm saying tonight or this morning? They're just some things not for sale, amen? They're just some things we can't back up on. 
don't. And I'll tell you, when a preacher gets a little bit older, if he's not careful, he'll get his eyes on the benefits. He'll get his eyes on the false security that he thinks he has. And he'll get his eyes on a paycheck and he'll just cool down a little bit. But a man of God ought to be more concerned about the souls that are sitting in the pews than the salary he draws from the church. The preaching of the cross. Man, I tore this sermon all to pieces. I had, a, I had another outline, but I'm never going to get to it, so don't worry. That little phrase, the Calvary, the power of God, is seen in its sharing. And I said that for this reason. You can talk to people about Jesus all day long. But I'm going to tell you what a sinner's doing. They're watching the way you live. You wear a t-shirt that has John 3.16 on it. I'm not against that. But if you wear that and you're not dressing right or you're, you're out there and you, you know, you're smoking a cigarette with John 3.16 on you, you know, and uh, you're, or you know, you got one of those weed eater haircuts, you know. It's not a good testimony. You say, oh, that's just tradition. No, it's Bible. And I'll tell you something else, it is character. We're losing it in this society. I think I'm just gonna clear me off a path and preach a little while this morning. We're losing character in this society. And we got a generation that they can't take preaching. I mean, I'm not even getting, listen, I'm not even preaching hard. If you think this is hard preaching, you need to back up and come again, friend. I'm telling you, you could hit rewind about 25 years ago. I'm not even getting warmed up. I'm Listen, I'm not even giving a good Sunday school lesson. I'm talking about, you say, well, they was too hard. No, they was trying to get God's people to be more holier, amen. But what we've got today is a lily-livered crowd that won't say nothing about anything. They won't preach preach against sin, or if they do, they won't name it. I'm gonna tell you every place I've ever been where the power of God has been, he's always been preaching on Calvary, and he's always been preaching on separation, and he's always been preaching on doing right, and he's always been preaching on dressing right. That crowd's gonna get marked, that crowd's gonna get criticized, but when the rubber meets the road, friend, everybody knows who's holy. Everybody knows who's doing what they're supposed to be doing. No, we don't have it all right. No, we're not perfect. No, we're not sinless. But we ought to live our life blameless. Amen. Think about every preacher you know this morning. There's men of God. There's holy men of God. You think about them holy men of God you know. You think about where they stood. Think about how they preached. I was with a preacher a couple years ago. We were eating lunch and he said to me, he said, you know, there's just some things he said that our people's gonna have to make their mind up about. I said, I agree with that. And he said, there's just some things. He said, I just don't think that we as pastors have any responsibility dealing with. I said, hold on, brother. I said, I agree. There's some things only a pastor should deal with. Can I get an amen right there? I go to another man's church. I, I'm, there's some things I'm not gonna deal with because I'm not the pastor. But I'll tell you, in the church I pastor, there ought to not be a stone unturned in this book. We gotta preach it all. I'm telling you, listen, when I, this morning, there's so many sermons getting bigger than I am, but I'm just telling you this morning that we need it. What a man preaches matters. And he ought to be preaching out of the Bible, isn't that right? 
They ought to be chapter. They ought to be verse. I'm telling you, listen, come out. Well, you say, where's that on separation? Second Chronicles 7 or 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number one. Wherefore, come out from among them and be a separate. That's chapter six and verse 18. Saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I'll be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And then chapter seven and verse number one. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Notice you cleanse the flesh first, then the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now there's a cleansing that only God can do in sanctification and that's positional sanctification but that progressive sanctification adds up to us. We've got to cleanse ourselves in the word of God. Cleanse our mind, saturate our mind in the word of God. Saturate our will to the will of God. And my friend, we got to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Much more I could say there. Let me just move on. I want to say this morning, it's revealed in, the, in its sharing. It's revealed in, in, its, in the Savior. Notice what he said. He said, but we preach Christ. I'm glad we preach Christ. We don't preach ourselves. Boy, there's a lot of that going on today, isn't there? There's a lot of self on the platforms today. Preachers, singers, I mean, it's just all the same. I want to tell you as a man of God, I've got to be careful that I don't take a sermon and make it about me this morning. Amen. You didn't come to hear me and you didn't come to see me. You come to hear from God and you come to see the Lord. And I'm telling you, we as men of God have got to stay small. We've got to stay in our place. We, we can't make it about us. Uh, hey, when you get up and give a testimony, don't make it about yourself, amen? Don't pity yourself. Don't lift up yourself. Don't pride yourself. Uh, don't make it about yourself. When I preach a sermon, God help me to not make it about myself. Uh, we're to preach Christ. Uh, people are to see Jesus, amen? Uh, I pray that one day when I resign and leave this church uh, or retire from this church, uh, I pray that it not be me that you see. I pray that I've tied you to Christ and that you see Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you how you'll know that. The work of God should just carry right on. The things of God should just carry right on. I tell you, if a pastor leaves and people start leaving because the pastor left, then it was all about him. Isn't that right? It doesn't need to be about me. It doesn't need to be about you. Hey, we're nothing, aren't we, this morning? We ought to all be in hell. We're just sinners saved by grace. We don't have anything to boast in. We don't have anything to lift ourselves up in. It's all because of Calvary. It's all because of Christ. I claim nothing but the blood, don't you? I claim nothing but the cross. All to Jesus and all to him I owe. It's all about Jesus, amen. Isn't that right? You ever been in a service? And I pray it's not here. You ever been in a service and you wish you just had a five-gallon bucket to throw up in? Anybody ever been there? You were just so sick at your stomach because there was so much performance from the pulpit that I'm just like, man, I want to regurgitate. Now, from plain old Murray County language, that's puke. But I've been told not to say puke, so I'm not going to say puke. I'm going to say regurgitate. Right. I mean, if it makes us sick, how sick? I'll tell you how sick it makes God. 
He don't even show up. If it's not about his son, it's not even worth coming to. We preach Christ, Jesus, the cross. I want to say the power of the cross is seen in its sharing, in its Savior, and in its sacrifice. We don't just preach Christ. But notice in that phrase, we preach him crucified. We preach a bloody Calvary. Our Savior. Oh, may we never forget the cross. May we never forget the price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary. May we never think, may we never forget about the, the devotion and the commitment and the desire that our Savior had for us. You know, this morning, Calvary fixes it all. And I'll tell you how to know that. Sometimes going through a trial, we will say this, and I say we because this is the flesh. The flesh will say, you've really had it rough. My flesh has told me that before, hadn't yours? But when I think of Calvary, there's no comparison. Sometimes the flesh will say, you know, you, you ought to just give up. You ought to quit. It's no use. But when I think of Calvary, and I think about the footsteps of our Savior, sometimes the burdens of life will seem so heavy, but when I think about Calvary, and I think about the burden of the cross itself that was on the shoulder of our Savior that had been beat and had been scourged. Sometimes the criticism that comes from others will sometimes be discouraging and almost defeating, but when I think about the criticism that our Savior faced, there's no comparison. When I think about the rejection of souls when you give them the gospel and they, they turn you away, I think of Calvary and I think about the angry mob and the thief that, that rejected our Savior. Calvary fixes everything, doesn't it? When I think about, oh, should I press on? Should I go on? Will victory be around the corner? When I think about the darkness and the storms of life, I think about Calvary. Never was there a darker time in all of history than when God turned the lights out from 12 o'clock high noon until 3 o'clock that afternoon as our Savior hung suspended between heaven and hell Calvary fixes it all I'm telling you when I think about the suffering and the sacrifice uh, is it it worth it to climb that next hilltop and to go on for God Uh, oh I think about Calvary and I think about the victory as our Savior hung there and my friend he proclaimed those famous words uh, as he cried it is finished Uh, one day my life is going to be finished uh, and one day your life is going to be finished Uh, one day our work on earth is going to be finished I'll tell you what I want to do I want to die like Jesus died I want to die in the hands of God as he said Father into thy hands I commend my spirit I want to die with victory in my soul and I want to die in the will of God as I leave this world the power of the cross it fixes everything this morning the power of the cross is seen in salvation in strength In its separation, it divided the Jews from the Greeks and those that believed and those that didn't believe. And then in its satisfaction. You know what the cross does this morning? It satisfies. I'm satisfied with Jesus, aren't you? I'm so satisfied with being saved, I don't want to turn my back on him. I'm so satisfied with being saved that I I don't want a fix. I don't need a party. I don't need the pleasures of this world this morning. I'm not saying the flesh couldn't fall to it. But I'm telling you, when I think of Calvary, 
This morning, I'm, as Brother Stenet Blue used to say, I'm a satisfied customer of the Lord Jesus Christ. Calvary satisfies you. Young people, you hear me this morning. The world will never, never, never satisfy you. The world will only leave you longing for more. The world will leave you on the side of the road half dead, as the Bible said. The world will leave you empty and dark and miserable. But I'll tell you this morning, the happiest people I've ever seen in life, they weren't rich people. Some of them might have been rich, but it wasn't the richest. I'll tell you the happiest people I've ever seen in life is people that know Jesus and are trying by the best of their own, their own way to live their life in the center of his will. Amen. 